Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Wise Beyond Their Wisdom as we pick up in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 16. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The earth that is not filled with water, the dry parched earth, and the fire, they none of them say it is enough. Now the eye that mocks his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. Now there are three things that are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wickedness. There are three things on the earth that are disquieted and for four which it cannot bear. Four odious things. The servant when he reigns, a fool when he is filled with meat, an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid that is the heir to her mistress. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise or wiser than wise. Four little things, yet so very wise, wise beyond their own wisdom. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth all of them by bands. The spider takes hold with her hands, or the gecko, and is in the king's palaces. From the ant, we learn the wisdom of preparing for the future, how that it lays up its food in the summer. Because somehow the ant has an awareness that the time is coming when it won't be able to get out and lay up food, so it stores up the food while it has the opportunity to do so. Jesus said in an interesting parable, make use of the unrighteousness of mammon so that when, you, when they fail, you will be received into the everlasting kingdom. In other words, use what you have now for your eternal benefit. That's wise. Many people don't have that wisdom. The ant teaches us the wisdom of preparation for the future. The coney, the little hyrax, teaches us the wisdom of recognizing our own weakness and feebleness and to take shelter in that which is stronger than we are. Makes his home in the rocks. Recognize our own weakness and hide ourselves in that rock, Jesus Christ. The locust shows wisdom in his cooperative efforts. By himself, the locust can do no harm. As he goes forth in bands, he can be devastating. Oh, that the church would learn the lesson of working together, cooperative endeavors for the kingdom of God. And finally, the gecko shows its wisdom by taking hold with its hands and as a result dwells in king's palaces, even as we are to take hold the promises of God as they of the Old Testament did, that we might dwell one day in the king's palace. 
There are three things which go well, yea, four are beautiful in their going. The lion, which is the strongest among beasts and doesn't turn away for any. The greyhound and the goat also, and a king against whom there is no rising up. If you have done foolishly in lifting up yourself, or if you have thought evil, lay your hand upon your mouth. Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath will bring strife. And such are the words of Agur, Agur, who is the son of Jacketh, who is makes no claims for himself. Now, the 31st proverb are the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So these are really the words of King Lemuel's mother unto him, the advice of a godly mother to her prince son, who one day is to reign over the people. There are those who think that Lemuel is indeed Solomon and that these are the words of Bathsheba unto Solomon. Whether or not that is so is a matter of argument among the theologians of which I have no desire to enter into. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What my son... And what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows. Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroys kings. For it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for princes strong drink. Now, in the scriptures, in the New Testament, we find that wine was forbidden for a man who was an overseer in the church. If any man desires the office of the bishop or an overseer, he desires a good thing. But he's not to be given to wine, no striker, taking care of his own family and so forth. So wine was prohibited for any person who has a position of leadership in overseeing in the church. Here we are told that wine is not for kings, anyone in the ruling capacity. Why? Because God doesn't want your mind to be colored by any kind of a false stimulant. In your, he doesn't want anything to cloud your judgment. He wants your mind to be perfectly clear. God doesn't really want to communicate with a foggy mind. It's hard to communicate with people who come to you and who are on drugs or, or who are, say, drunk. You know that they don't know what they're really saying. You know that they don't really mean. You don't really know who you're talking to. You're not dealing with the real person. And, and to try to counsel them is futility because... You're not really dealing with the true issues and with the real person until their mind is totally clear. I love having a clear mind. 
I love having a mind that is not under the influence of any outside kind of a stimulant or force or whatever. I love being able to think clearly. I can't understand why a person would want to fog up their mind or alter their conscious state. I love so much the, the clear ability to reason, to think, to see things clearly. I don't want to fog up my mind and, and, and perhaps destroy my ability of, of judgment. So as the king, wine wasn't for a king because it has the possible altered conscious state. The same was for the bishop, the overseer in the church. The same was true for the priest in the Old Testament when he offered sacrifices before the Lord. He wasn't to drink wine. Lest he be serving God under some kind of a false fire, a false stimulant. Aaron's sons were destroyed because of the false fire that they offered unto God, strange fire that they offered. And God doesn't want strange fire. So uh, these things are, are spoken. The mother was speaking to Lemuel and said, hey, wine isn't for kings or strong drink for princes. Lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Lest through your drinking, your state of consciousness is altered and you are not clear in the judgment that you make. Give strong drink to him who's ready to die and wine unto those who are of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. But open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. So the exhortation of Lemuel's mother to him as he is to be a king over his judgment and in the responsibility that will be his in offering and in giving judgment. Now, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. So it is possible that at this point, if indeed this is Solomon and Bathsheba is talking to him, it would, with all of his wives, it uh, would be interesting if he had found a virtuous woman among them. Her price is far above rubies. Her description, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. You just can trust your wife completely. It's so glorious to have a wife that you can have total trust in. You don't have to be suspicious. You don't have to be questioning. But you can just have that total confidence that they are true, 
that they are pure, that they are honest. Virtuous woman, price is above, far above rubies. She will do him good and not evil all of his days. She seeks wool and flax, works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships in that she brings her food from afar. She shops the ads, gets the best buys in the various markets. She rises up also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Industrious. She considers a field and buys it, and the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her candle goeth not out by night. I mean, she is just a very industrious woman indeed. She lays her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household. All of her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Now, the gates were an important place in a city, for the gates were the place of judgment when persons had any kind of business to transact, legal business and all. They would always come into the gates of the city, and the men who sat in the gates of the city were the renowned men of the city, and they would come to them for judgments. Her husband is known in the gates. He sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen and sells it and delivers girdles to the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that reverences the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. What a beautiful, beautiful tribute to the woman to the truly beautiful woman, the one that God honors because she honors God. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband praises her. Guys, aren't we lucky that all of us have found these 
beautiful women. How thankful we are to God for our wives. What a blessing they are to us. What a value. What a joy. What an asset. You couldn't buy her with rubies. Her value is far above them. What an asset they are to the husband, to the family, and to God. Thank God for a virtuous wife. Over and over, I thank God for Kay and what she means to me and what she means to our family. How privileged. And each one of you men, as you think of that wife that God has given to you, a precious jewel indeed. You're told in the scriptures, cherish her, nourish her, love her, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Thank God. What a beautiful picture we have here. But this verse, for you young ladies, Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Some of you are bemoaning the fact, oh, I'm not beautiful. It seems like there are very, very, very few women who are satisfied with their looks. Most women think of themselves as rather ugly. Most women have a low self-esteem. Very, very few women. They're, there are some, but they are rare, who really think that they are beautiful. And those that think they are beautiful are usually odious. They're hard to be around. You know, they're, they're intolerable. A woman who really thinks she's beautiful, you don't want her. You'd never be able to keep her up. But the true beauty... So don't worry if, if God hasn't, you know... Put the perfect face on you. Because beauty is deceitful. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. It's empty. And it's so true. You, you listen to some of these Hollywood beauties, and what's more empty than the head of a Hollywood beauty queen? Some of those that primp and think they're so beautiful and are posing constantly. But you listen to their words and, and they just express the empty head. They've never had to think. You see, everybody's always flattering them and, and all, and, and they've never had to really develop character. And they're about as shallow as you can be. You just listen to them talk and you find out how empty and shallow they are. They've never seen any need for developing character. Beauty is vain. But a woman who really reverences the Lord, a woman who lives a godly life, a woman who loves the Lord, there's nothing more beautiful in all of the world than a woman who is righteous and loves God. Oh, how beautiful. That's true beauty. You see that woman who is relating to God. The beautiful life is the one that is in the right relationship with the Lord. The woman who fears the Lord, she 
shall be praised. You guys that are looking for a gal, don't look for the pretty face. You're liable to find an empty head. <laughs> look for the one who knows how to pray. Look for the one who is interested in the things of the Lord. Look for that one who is seeking God and seeking her life to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You'll have a wife that will be true and faithful and loving and glorious all of your life. You'll be happy. She's the one that you're really wanting. She shall be praised. But you know, God is so good that God makes them to look more beautiful to us than anybody else anyhow. That's just God's little plus benefit. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Ecclesiastes on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Proverbs 30-31 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you for the wisdom, the instruction, the knowledge that you have given to us, even in these little pithy sayings and in the Proverbs. We thank you, Lord, that we can learn how to live through thy word, what to seek and what to shun, Help us, Lord, to seek Thee, Thy kingdom, Thy righteousness, above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As I look around for a godly example of what a Christian woman should be, I see a lot of women who are concerned about what they look like. But rarely do I see a woman who desires the reflection of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, Kay Smith has written a book for women entitled, Reflecting God. Kay teaches women godly attributes, such as how to be joyful when things aren't going so great, or how to be sincere when praying for others, or inspiring them, or how to nurture 
and influence the people God has placed around you. As Kay teaches God's attributes, women will begin to have the mind of Christ. And as this starts to happen within you, outwardly you will become a reflection of God to a world that desperately needs Him. For more information on how to order the book Reflecting God by Kay Smith, as well as an optional study guide to lead a women's Bible study, visit thewordfortoday.org to see a preview of this book or call us at 800-272-WORD.